0: Okay, this morning I'm going to read from a few places, and you don't have to turn there, um, but I'm going to read from, from Exodus 23. Always keep in mind in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11, and Romans 15 and verse 4, that God will always use these types, and every type, every type, every sacrifice, all of it, and all prophecy has to do with Christ who actually fulfilled it. And he's done that in such a great way. Now, so in Exodus 23, verse 20, and I'll read verse 20 and down through. Verse 20 says, Behold, I send an angel. Now when it's capitalized like this, it's usually usually a theophany. And what that is, is Christ appearing before he's put on humanity. The same instance would be brought out in Genesis 3 and verse 8 when that said they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. And many times we've shared that in John 1, verse 1. If you have a voice, there's a word. And that is Christ in his pre-incarnate state. So when it says here, that, here Behold, I send an angel before you. Notice that? To keep you in the way. Because who is, who is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14 and verse 6? And to bring you into the place, and that place is who we are in Christ, to bring you into that place which I have prepared. In other words, it's nothing that we do, it's all by his grace. We see that in John 1 and verse 14 right through to the 17th verse of John chapter 1. Notice, which I have prepared. Beware of him speaking for us of Christ, and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Now, this is never true in the case of the believers. All of ours are dealt with. For my name is in him. Notice what many times we've shared in the past, that name speaks of a person's nature. So when it's saying his name, it's speaking of Christ, that name that in Isaiah 43 and verse 25 and Philippians uh, chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 is above every single name and at that name of Jesus every knee will bow It speaks of humility and every tongue will confess that to the glory of God but see it says for my name is in him this is a beautiful portion because this goes into even the new name that we have which is that white stone in Revelations 2 and verse 17. goes into that very beautifully. For, it, for my name, my nature, my character, my essence, my attributes are all in him. He as my final thought, my only thought. But if you will indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak in terms of submission, not doing, but submission, then I will be, notice this, an enemy unto your enemies and an adversary unto your adversaries. Verse 23 of Exodus 23. For my angel will go before you. You see, this is a beautiful picture of the fact that Christ has gone before us because of the fact that, number one, when we teach this, the cross, of what the cross has accomplished in its finished work in John 19 and verse 30, it brings it out very, very clearly that Christ not only died for me, he died as me, as my substitute, and thereby crucifying the old, in Romans 6, one through six, and we can see very clearly that he paid for all of our sins and thank God, they are no longer in the purity of who Christ has made us to be, in a pure con- uh, conscience. And this is brought out in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And this is brought out very, very, very beautifully in Hebrews 9 and verse 14. So every, every place that God has gone before us, in and through Christ, He has dealt with every single one of our enemies. We're going to see it very clearly how much he's for us in his love and his wisdom, Christ himself being the revelation and manifestation of that very true character and essence and nature of God himself. Verse 23 of Exodus 23, For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Jebusites, and I will cut them off. I will cut them off. That's what Christ did when he went to Calvary. He cut off and dealt with every single enemy. Verse 24, so because Christ has dealt with all these enemies, the enemy of the flesh, like doubt, fear, all those sins, the guilt and condemnation, which can be unbelievable enemies to us, they have been cut off and dealt with. Cut off in the sense that Christ himself became that sin sacrifice in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. He who knew no sin in the purity of that nature, that Holy One, constantly in Luke 1 verse 35. Through the cross, he cut it off. He's cut off every single enemy and dealt with them. And therefore... We no longer, in verse 24, have to bow down to their gods, these old gods, and serve them. Worshipper. Worshipper. And that's what serve. Serve is always synonymous with the word worship. And that word is always synonymous with absolute trust and dependence upon Him who leads us in our worship to God Himself. We will see that, and we do see it, In the type brought out in Psalm 22 and verse 22, Christ himself in Hebrews 2.11, fulfilling it in Hebrews 2.12. He leads us in worship. Think of it. He leads us in worship to his Father and for his Father. So you're not to serve them any longer. You're not to worship them. Nor do after their works, but you will utterly overthrow them and quite break down, notice notice their images, their images. And you will serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. Notice that. He will bless your bread and water. Since he's already dealt with the most, dealing with us and fulfilling and bringing out the reality of our eternal destiny in him, Won't he take care of things in time? That's bread and water. Because Christ himself, in John chapter six, in verse 30 to 57, he's the bread of life. He's the water in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. He's the water that washes us and cleanses our feet. And that's brought out in the beautiful type. In John 13 verses, we see it clearly in John 13, in those first 10 verses of that 13th chapter of John. And he, you will serve the Lord, and he will bless your bread and water, and look what he will do. I will take away, I will take away from the midst of you. I'll take away that sickness from the midst of you. you remember when he told them in Exodus the 15th chapter, and we'll see this very clearly here, in Exodus 15, in verse 23, do you see this? Remember that he was leading Moses, who was the type of what Christ was doing in the work that he was doing through him. Moses himself was not the type, but that the work that Christ was fulfilling in and through him, this was the type. And so as he was leading them, and he led them out of the bondage of Egypt, Egypt is the world system. Pharaoh was the type of Satan. And he they are... They have been let out, and, and to lead them out, they first had to partake of that lamb that had no spot in Exodus 12, verses 1 to 13. And they, had, and they had to eat it with bitter herbs, and the bitter herbs would remind them, not in terms of condemnation and guilt, but the bitter herbs would remind them, of what, what Christ has accomplished. And even that sorrow that we have, we have a godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10. That godly sorrow is never with regret, but worldly sorrow is filled with regret. And so he, Moses as the type, led them out. They feasted on the Lamb. Then they came through the Red Sea in Exodus, the 14th chapter. And those two, the Lamb, being cru- crucified, that they were partaking of when they took the and took the blood, the hyssop, the hyssop spoke of faith, and it was sprinkled on the two sides of the post and over the lentil, and that speaks of the blood that Christ has accomplished that we receive where we function in him. We have the ability to feast on him anytime we choose to submit our will. And what a privilege that is. So Moses is leading them out. Then they cross the Red Sea. Now they're in the wilderness the world system. They're in the world, like Jesus in John 17 and verse 14. He was in the world, but Christians, there was nothing about him that was of this world. Neither are we in John 17 and verse 16. There's not a single thing in us, in Christ, in Christ in us, that has anything to do with the world whatsoever. And it includes everything. Remember when Cain went out from the presence of God? In Genesis 4 and verse 16, in the 17th verse, he built a city. Then you're going to see his sons that he reproduced in his unsaved place. First thing was cattle. What's the first thing we do when Christ, when we lose focus on Christ? Everything's about this world, all about the details of life. And then to to assuage it, Instead of submitting, what did they do? They went into the arts, music, <laughs> to keep out and try and deal with their enemies. The enemy. Oh, how the enemy. In John 10, 10a, he comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come that they might have life. That's what the life that he's given to each of us. But you know what an abundant life is? And this is a sad thing for most Christians. When you don't have a local assembly, When you don't have face-to-face teaching, when you don't have it, you don't have the abundant life. You don't. You just don't. I wish we could make that clear. I wish we could make it clear to Christians because that's God's order. You see it in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Read it all the way through in those 32 verses. It's Ephesians 4. You must have... A local assembly, because there are certain things that you will miss when you don't have that. Because each joint in that chapter of Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse sixteen, those joints supply. That those joints supply. That's what it says. In Romans ten and verse fourteen, in verse fifteen, how will they hear without a preacher? That's face to face. Honestly, it is. Faith comes by hearing, in Romans ten seventeen, hearing by the word of God in a local assembly, must have a local assembly to have growth and to protect you from all your enemies experientially. Have all our enemies been dealt with positionally? They have. How about experientially? Not till we submit to God's order. Does that happen? So he's leading them out, he leads them out, and we can see that very clearly and how did he do that? Now here's Exodus the 15th chapter verse 23. It says when they came to Mara. Mara in the Hebrew means bitterness. Their circumstances and situations because they felt that they lacked and God had to bring them to that place of self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. He had to bring them to that place through the bitterness through the bitterness of and when they would forget remember what they when they ate they feasted the lamb they had they forgot the bitterness. Of the self-life. They forgot that. And you know when I forget, when I try to do something about the bitterness of the self-life and don't feast on the lamb, what do you suppose I do? I go right back to the old enemies again. Doubt, fear, drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, you name it. And by the way, the worldly music will keep you there too, by the way. That's again in Exodus and that's in Genesis, the fourth chapter, verses 16, right to verse 23. See it crystal clear there. And so, when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of the place was called Mara, bitterness. God has to lead us in circumstances and situations to show us, to show us, and bring us to the bitter end of our self life. And he does that by reducing things. You know what happens when he can do that? When he can reduce us, instead of going forward where God has called us, we think we now have to go back because things just don't seem just right right here. Then we begin to formulate a plan. Listen, listen, honestly, this is a word, this is a word in season for those that need it right now. I don't care what your circumstance and situation is, God has called you to a place and in that place you fulfill it. He will fulfill it. And the enemy has to convince you, you need the help of others to do what God has called you to do when you must rely on him and him alone. And if you don't go forward with relying on him alone, The enemy convinces you that in that thing that he's called you to do, I don't care what it is, parenting, mothering, it doesn't, I don't care what it is. He convinces you, you need to go back and have others to help you to do it. False, false, totally false. And my word would be this, be patient and wait upon God because he will abundantly bless you as you go forward as you go forward and not back, not back. A word in season, that's Colossians chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6, a, a specific word in season, by the way. Well, they led him to that place, and it was, it was Mara, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what will we drink? Who were they looking to to fulfill their need? Who are you and I looking to to fulfill our need? Who are we looking to? What makes us think that the word of God won't teach us how to parent? What makes us think any otherwise? Wait. God knows what he's doing. Wait on him. Because when you do, you'll renew your strength. You will renew your strength. Oh yes, you will and the enemy wants to make the bleak picture about going forward, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't know. In Genesis 18 and verse 14, and in Jeremiah 32 verses 17 and 19, is anything too hard for God? He doesn't ask us, is anything too hard for us? Because in the flesh, what isn't? Is anything too hard for us? No. But you know what it says? It will return unto you at God's set appointed time. And that's why we teach with the Word as God, the Holy Spirit, takes the things of Christ, the Word, and teaches us. His timing is as important as his provision. Abraham and Sarah, they didn't wait on God. They did not wait because they were in a position that's called self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. They didn't wait and as a result, through what they did not wait God to, for God to and for, became their worst enemies. Whole terrorist Arab nations, Agar, it went in and tried to perform it in the flesh. A word in season this morning, with specific direction and specific counsel this morning, with, with very precise discernment, very precise. This is where we get our counsel, by the way. This is where we get it. We don't get private counsel. We don't have to go somewhere else to get counsel because God called us here for our counsel. Did he not? Did he not? And where others in other locations get their counsel. People murmured against Moses saying, what will we drink? And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast it into the waters those bitter waters, the waters were made, what? Sweet. They were made sweet. And he made for them a statute and ordinance, and therewith he proved them. You know, God's gonna prove to us. Has his love entered into my experience and been in exchange through our obedience back to him? See, because obedience is, what is obedience? Is obedience static? Is obedience going back? or is obedience going forward. It's always that exchange. Don't make private plans. Trust the planner. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And they are thoughts of peace and not evil so that you can experience his settled plans for you right where he's called you. A word in season this morning and so he cried unto the Lord the Lord showed him a tree that and when he had cast the tree into the waters the waters were made sweet there he made for them a statute and order and there he proved them and said if you will diligently hearken this morning with God's counsel if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear, this is submission of the will, to his commandments, his word, and keep all his statutes by submitting your will to Christ who has already performed those things. Job 23 and verse 12, his word is more necessary than our own food. Did we hear that this morning? His word, his counsel, is more necessary than you and I being occupied with the details of life. (laughs) It's more necessary. He esteemed it above his own food, his details, the word, this morning. That's what he did. Because this is the truth. God has to bring us to the end of ourselves. He does. Listen, Don't stay home with a devotional crowd that don't have a local assembly. Don't stay stay with them. Trust me when I tell you. Trust me when I tell you. Listen, the most important thing about you, okay, number one was receiving Christ as your Savior. Number two, you must go where you are fed the counsel and word of God. You must do that. Because that's God's order and he will not change it. He will not change it. Constantly he, the enemy will cause you to settle down in your own little circle and and cause you to make things just as nice as you can Again, that's not the abundant life in John 10 10 the B part. It's not It isn't for us So again here we see it clearly he said this and keep all the statues. She said, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. You see that? Do, do we see that? Coming to hear the word of God in a local assembly is the most important thing, About it's more important than your job? I don't care. It's more important than what you think are your familiar sou- surroundings. And if those surroundings aren't a local assembly, it will keep you in a place of familiarity. And by the way, when you function in that place, the enemy will give you plenty that you think you have to perform. He will give you false needs that become false burdens. If he can. And he will. Because he comes to seek to, to what? To steal? Steal you away. Steal you away from your proper place. Being manifested to you in an experiential fellowship in a local assembly in a local assembly please keep in mind please keep in mind too don't let the enemy fool you with numbers because in Matthew 18 20 where two or three are gathered together in his name when they're taught the clarity and intricacy of the nature character and essence of Christ himself there is Christ in their midst there he is in their midst I know where I'm called I know where I'm called now Exodus 23 Exodus 23 again this is what he said behold I'll send an angel before you did you know that before God ever called you and I to go to a single place that he went before us. That's why it says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, and I'll read that this morning because it's very necessary for us to hear in the clarity of what God is giving us in the very precise counsel that he's given us. And you would think that maybe he, he heard private conversations. You may think that. 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. 1 Peter chapter two and verse twenty-one. For here, for even hereunto you were called. We were called to salvation that was accomplished. Then what does he do? The second and right with that, most important thing is a face-to-face attendance in a local assembly, and that you're not in. You and I are not to forsake it. In Hebrews ten and verse twenty-five. Okay, we're not to. We're not to do that. Because this is love, and this is God's wisdom that he gives us. And, and we may think we understand the scriptures. We may think so. But you might not have the years to know how to, to apply it, when, where, and how. And that's why God has given us those that we should submit to that become guides, that guide us to proper counsel. And that's brought out in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. So here is 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, I don't want to suffer the situation and circumstances and problems. I don't want to do that. And when you don't, guess what you're going to do? Go forward. No, you're going to make, you're going to make some private plans. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to go back. I, I want to share this and I'm going, I'm going to share it. There were certain individuals that, that were here and and that there's certain other individuals just visited recently, and they said when they left here, when they left here, they went back. And what they said was we weren't the same, but everyone there, in terms of their growth, were still the same. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You may think, you may think that you and I need others in another location. I guarantee you it's not true. Guarantee it. For even hereunto you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, a type, that you should follow what? His steps. That's why it says in Psalm thirty seven and verse twenty three, the steps of a and it says good man, who's a good man, if he has Christ's goodness in him through submitted will, those are ordained steps. Wait. <laughs> Love is patient. Trust me when I say it. Trust me when I say it. When you don't know what to do, then you don't do anything. You wait. You don't make private plans based upon what you think might not change in you. That you follow his steps who did no sin. Now, did he deal with our sins? When I follow him, will I function in sin and unsubmitted will? Not going to do it. But I'm gonna follow him. You know? you know what a follower is? You know what a true worshiper is? One that truly serves him and not their own belly, their own emotions. In Philippians 3 and verse 18, do you know in Philippians 3 and verse 18 and 19? When we don't go forward, we serve the God of our emotions. Right? That's what we do. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. Notice what it says: Who did no sin? neither was guile, deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree you know that tree we talked about in Exodus 15 and verse 26 on the tree, that's the cross on the tree It's <laughs> what makes it hard for you to have to what you think might, you might have to tell someone has been so hard for you to tell them. Well, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> Who his own self bear all our sins in his own body on that tree, the cross. That we being dead to sins going forward, not always trying to deal with them, Dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. For you were sheep going astray. And when a, sheep, when a sheep doesn't have an under-shepherd, when they don't have that, what do they do? They're led astray. Why do you think God afflicts us? Why is there pain? Why is there pain? Has God determined it? Did he weigh every affliction was it weighed through his love and his wisdom in 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, absolutely weighed perfectly, perfectly for you were a sheep going astray but now are returned unto your shepherd and bishop of your souls, that's what he's doing this morning he wants, to, he wants us to return to his counsel and not our own imagine people dip- thinking and, and determining on their own where they should be and how long they should be there. <laughs> Can't even think of it. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. But we talked about steps here and we talked about enemies. Notice this? Back to Exodus 23. Notice what it says. Beware of him in 21. Of Exodus 23. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon. In other words, you won't experience it. Now, have we been pardoned of all our sins and they've been dealt with, removed as far as the east is from the west? Psalm 103, verse 12, yes. positionally it's true. But when I go back, what do I go back to? My experience is these things aren't dealt with. Now I have to do something about them. I must make a plan. I must do that. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he, you won't experience what has been pardoned. For my name is in him. Are we in him? But if you will indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy to your enemies. Notice that. God himself will be an enemy to those things we can't deal with. You know, he had, what, is he, what does it take for him to bring us to the end of ourselves just so he can love us? Again. Again, God's only order on this earth right now is local assembly. That has not changed. He has not left that up to us to direct our own steps. He's counted. Did you know he counted every one of our steps in Job 31 and verse 4 and Psalm 139 and verse 2? Did you know that? He counts every one of our steps. This is too difficult for me. I can't do it, God. That's right. Because God is bringing us to the end of ourselves from doing a single thing. He said, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. Because in James 4, verse 6, God resists who? The proud. Who's the proud? They're foolish. They make their own plans. See that? God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to those that he's humbled. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, Christ in your experience, then he will flee from you. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't sacrifice for what you think is immediate, for God's eternal truth being worked into that enters into your fellowship with him for all eternity. Don't do it. Now we're gonna turn to Song of Solomon. I'll turn there, you don't have to turn. In Song of Solomon here. Song of Solomon, uh, even in verse one, verse one, it says the song of songs. This is the song of songs. You know what the whole song is about? Not only in time, but for all eternity. Look what it says. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Hear that? You know what a kiss speaks of? It speaks of submission. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of a will submitted to him. Now I function in the the accomplishment of God's will. Now I can trust him for his timing and his provision. Because if it's just not his timing, where he's placed me, it's not his provision. And furthermore, even if it was, I would just consume it on the flesh. That's all I would do. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, because when he does, you know what it says: "Your love's, your love is better than wine." Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Your love is so much better than anything. Your love is so much better, and no wonder it says in Song of Solomon two and verse fourteen: "O oh my dove, you are in the clefts of the rock." The dove always speaks of innocence. Remember the. and and also speaks of guiding for us. The Holy Spirit is the dove that came down on Jesus during his baptism for his public three-and-a-half-year ministry. We see that in in Matthew 3 and verses 16 and 17. And he was that dove. But see, notice what it says. O dove that are in the clefts of the rock. The clefts of the rock is Exodus 33 and verse 21. The rock Christ was cleft, and we hide in him. In Colossians 3, 3, listen, you died. I mean, what makes us think? In Colossians 3 verse 2 it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. Why do you make everything about this earth to be your life when Christ is our life? You died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. He hides himself from the pride of men. In Isaiah 45 and verse 15. He hides himself from the pride of men. And notice what it says. You're my dove. Cleft in the rock, in the secret of the stairs, let me see your countenance, let me hear your voice. Notice that? Let me hear your voice, and when I do, have instant obedience, for sweet is your voice, and your countenance is comely. Let Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, where all that fruit of the Holy Spirit is being produced, has been produced in our position, and once in Christ through trimming and doing what he does in John 15, 1 through 3. He prunes it. The dead areas, the areas where we don't rely on him, the areas of sight, private counsel, private plans. Should there be any secrets involved in our local assembly? Should there be any secrets? Or do we have the one thought? in that one thought of going forward. For sweet is your voice, sweet is, is your, your counsel and your countenance. Take us the foxes, those are the areas of the flesh that have not been submitted. These are the reasons, and the enemy convinces us why we can't do what we should do in going forward, but we'll sure have enough strength to go back, won't we? <laughs> yes, very interesting. Hmm. Take us the, the foxes, the little foxes. You know what the little foxes are? Those are the things of the world in 1 John 2 verse 15. Love not the world. Now listen to what it says. Neither the things that are in the world. The things in the world may be good and beautiful of themselves, but when they take up your time, they take up your whole thought life, they lose their beauty because what makes us think As his creatures, as his creation, we can live and experience what he's even created without the creator. I'm going to tell you what we'll do. We're going to rely on someone else. It's it's high time for us in areas where we rely on other people. They become the inhibitor of a full life in Christ. Don't take on a false burden and a false need. You know what a false burden is and a false need is? It's thinking that I have to do something for someone when really I'm using them to do something for me. Is that love? Not love. That's not love. And by the way, love is very, very pure. It's very pure. And I need to abide in a place of purity. That What helps that with me experientially, again, is a local assembly. Don't sell it out. Don't sell it out. Proverbs twenty three twenty three. buy the truth and sell it not. Come and buy without money because it's been paid for by Christ in Isaiah 55 in verse 1 because in verse 2, why would you spend your money on something that has absolutely no value? It's got to change our whole value system. When I have the right value system, I am going forward. I am in going forward. There's coming a time, too, when it's going to be just local assembly. It just might not be aired publicly. just might not be. And that just might be what has to happen to keep others that can go, and there's some that can't, and God understands that, and we know it, and there's no condemnation or guilt. But for those that should come and know they can and don't, You don't get it and its preciseness, even though it's ours. Let us take the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. We are so tender. We are so weak and frail. Remember, the one thing we've said before as we close this morning, he never takes away weakness. He doesn't. And that's all our will function in. When my will's not submitted, is I will function in weakness and miss the power of Christ himself. We're kept by the power of, of God, which is Christ in 1 Peter 1, 5. We're kept by the power of God, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That's Christ in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. And when my will isn't submitted to that, another power comes in. You may think, just because it's not an evil, wicked, gross thing, that it's not power. How about 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14? Satan's an angel of light. Why should we marvel then? When he can transform men into his ministers. Do you know he can make the flesh in us to be his minister? Did you know that? Does Satan not know the word? He doesn't know it like we do. But do will he use even that to tempt? That's what he did with Eve. In Genesis 3, 1-6, that's what he did. And thank God, thank God that he has dealt with every single one of our enemies. He has done that. Doubt, fear. You know what an enemy is to the believer? Private plans. Based upon what? Private counsel. Where'd you get the counsel? Previous to all that, where did you get your counsel? <laughs> where did you get it? Where did we get it, right? Where did that come from? Who's our counselor? Who's our head? Who's our everything? Isn't it Christ? Isn't it Christ? And does he, doesn't he not have a specific location for us? Doesn't he? Don't, listen, don't sell out. Don't sell out. Listen, and even in this sense, the enemy, and I love gardens and I love beauty, and I do, I love it, I do. But don't allow the enemy to have you make a little garden make that your be your everything and your privacy with Jesus, because I am telling you, if that, is, if that is not local assembly, I wanna make that crystal clear, it is. It is not local assemblies, And I would leave there in a millisecond. In a millisecond, I wouldn't even delay it. I would do it and trust God. He called Abraham. Out of the earth, the call days, you know why? Because before he could, before he would come, you'll see this in Genesis, the 11th chapter. Before God could give him the promise about what he would do, did you know that he didn't go forward in what God called him to do till his natural dad died? The one that he was relying on, his father, his father dwelt in Haran, he wouldn't leave his familiar surroundings, wouldn't leave. Then, then his father died. Then that's when he was. Then that's when God called him to go forward. Had to bring him to the end of himself. That's what he's doing. For his full counsel, he has to bring us to a full end, and that's a continual growth. All our enemies are dealt with, every single one of them. (laughs) Like we don't know what's going on. This is 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 22, it says this. For as in Adam all die. What do we experience in the flesh? Death. What is death? Separation. I'm I'm going to be separated from him. And the enemy wants to separate you and give you your own private corner. So it's just you and Jesus. Show me that in the scriptures. It's only one thing he's doing. Listen to me. He's taking people out of the world system and putting them in local assemblies. That's it. And if you don't have one, and you don't go to one, the world's going to affect you. And it may not even look good. Can Satan do more as a evil beast or as an angel of light? angel of light. And he has his ministers too, by the way. And they give counsel. Anyway. For as an Adam, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and we're going to close, for as an Adam all die, even so in Christ will all be made alive. He'll experience life. Every man, every human being in Christ, in his own order, does order have to do with place? Does order have to do with God's nature, character, and essence? every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are, that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when we, he will have delivered up the kingdom to God. This is after millennial reign, which is brought out in Exodus, and in, in Revelations, the 20th chapter, in those first three verses. The millennial reign will be fulfilled, that thousand-year millennial reign. Some call it Chileism. Thousand-year millennial reign. After that, then even the, then even the Father when he have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he will have put down all rule and all authority and all power. You know, what? that's what he's constantly doing us with us right now when he gives us his counsel. He's putting down the rule of the enemy in our flesh who's appeared as an angel of light and said it's okay to continue to do this. Again, we've said before in James four seventeen: to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? It's sin. You can call it anything you want. You know you should do it, but you don't do it. To him it is what? Sin and what is sin? It's death. And what is death? Separated. Separated. Don't be a quitter. Men, stand up and quit. Be strong. First Corinthians sixteen, thirteen. Be strong. Watch. Wait. Trust God. And let then when you do, you will do all things in love. That's first Corinthians. 16, 13, and 14. So here we are in the 15th chapter as we wrap this up. We see very clearly he puts down all rule and all authority and power. Now, is that already done with us in Christ? Then is my experience the equal of my position in Christ? No. And it will never be if you don't function in your proper place. For he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. Look it. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Did you know that Jesus walked right through that? He walked right through death. And death, right now, a good name is better. It's like precious ointment in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth because we were born in sin, self-will, making plans, bad counsel, false counsel. But the day of one's death is greater than than the day of one's birth because death is now for the Christian a door into his eternal presence. Even the body of believers in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17 and we're to comfort each other with these words in the 18th verse of of 1 Thessalonians chapter four, that the body for the Christian just sleeps. Instantly, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, absent from the body, the body goes back to the dust and it sleeps there. And then right into the presence of the Lord in between 11 one-hundredths and and 11 fourteenths of a second. (laughs) Hundreds of a second were with him. And death doesn't touch us because in Hebrews 2 and verse 9, he tasted death especially for us. He tasted that. And every step that he took, literally, was his blood poured out. Every single step that he took. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, and we have this high priest. We have him. And we can come to him right where we're at. We come to him right where we're at. We come right to him. And what does he do? We come right to what kind of a throne? It's a throne of grace that we might find mercy right in the nick of time. Right in the nick of time. And thank God that even, our, even the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Because what? Death has no more dominion in, in Romans 6 and verse 9. He that dies once, what? Dies no more, will never again be separated. So all death is, is the body going back to the grave. And we go instantly in Ecclesiastes 12, 6 and 7, the, the golden bowl, the civil cord is broken, and then the Spirit returns unto God who gave it. That's us in Christ. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful plan that he has for us in specific detail, specific details. He has a way of stopping us from going forward in a way that he has not chosen. And thank God in his love and his wisdom for that. Father, we thank you so much for the provision of your love, the provision of your counsel. We thank you so much. You have not left it up to us to lead ourselves, to know you've given us a local assembly. And in that local assembly, you have raised up by your pure grace, unconditional love and mercy under shepherds in Hebrews 13, 17, and we're to submit to them. Boy, if you don't have that, there's not proper submission. There just isn't. There just isn't. There needs to be that. There needs to be that. Father, thank you. Thank you for your precise counsel, your counsel that is pinpointy, so accurate in your love and wisdom. And you speak these things because we're not your enemy. We are your perfect ones. We are your ones that are completed. Your love, Christ in us, has completed every single thing about us. Father, thank you, we praise you, thank you so much, and thank you when I follow you, and only when I follow you am I a true worshiper. And a true worshiper is one who follows, and one who follows is one who follows those, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, that he has given them to be their guides. God has given you guides right where you are, right where I am. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.